Well, the New York Times has featured a recent article story on the traditional Latin Mass, and I truly did enjoy reading it. Uh, I started hearing about it yesterday. My daughter actually heard about it from some of her friends connected to the Latin Mass. And then this morning, people started texting me from all over saying, Taylor, did you know that you're in the New York Times this morning? And I said, I'm in the story, I'm in the article, and I looked it up, and wouldn't you know it, it's about my Grover moment with the Eucharistic minister in the Grover t-shirt. It was, I've shared it before on this podcast a few times, it was the breaking moment for me in the Novus Ordo, uh, and in a way, pushed me, propelled me into the traditional Latin Mass and the traditional Latin Mass community. So this whole podcast, everything I'm doing is thanks to you, Grover t-shirt, Eucharistic minister, person. All right, so the New York Times, featuring the Latin Mass and also discussing how the Latin Mass is now associated as a movement that's contrarian to Pope Francis a counter-movement to Pope Francis, also a family movement, the traditional Latin masses. So I'm going to read some sections from the New York Times. I know you have to have a, a uh, subscription to read it. I got a, a free trial, so I'll be able to show it on the screen with you. For those of you that don't get the New York Times, surprise, surprise, I would imagine many of you don't. And uh, we'll go through the article together and we'll discuss it. And maybe I'll, I'll talk to you all in the live chat, in the Q&A. If you guys have some comments or questions along the way, I'll feature along the way. That, that live chat is either next to me if you're on a computer or below me if you're on a mobile device or an iPhone. Okay, so the New York Times. Actually, before we get into the Latin Mass featured in the New York Times, uh, why don't we begin with our usual prayer? We'll pray the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer in Latin. It's fitting today. Oremus nomini patris et fidi, spiritus sancti. Amen. Pater noster, qui es in celi, sanctificetur nomen tuum, venia regnum tuum, fia voluntas tua, secut in cello et in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum da nobis odie, et emite nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, se libera nos amalo. Amen. All right, why don't we take a look here at the article. All right, that worked out great. Blessed be God. Okay, beautiful uh, picture here. This, this is from St. Joseph's in Detroit. I was able to visit there when I was in uh, Detroit a couple years ago, and the priest and the lady were... You couldn't be more friendly. You couldn't be more hospitable. I was completely impressed by the mass there. I was impressed by the aesthetic of the church. Just an ancient, beautiful, ethnic, Catholic church with magnificent statues, beautiful confessionals, pews. The Institute of Christ the King has done an excellent job in restoring it and then cultivating a flock of faithful sheep. There's so many baptisms, so many weddings. So they're doing a great job. And that's the photo right there of St. Joseph's Institute of Christ the King in Detroit. Okay, let's get started. 
So the article is by Ruth Graham, who I was told uh, used to write for Slate. And I think it's a pretty fair piece uh, that Ruth Graham, at the very end, um, it's maybe a little bit, a little bit of just maybe a little sour. Maybe it's a sweet and sour. I never liked sweet and sour candies. Maybe that's the intention there. But I think in general, this article is a win for traditional Catholics. And the reason this New York Times article is a win is because it's featuring our movement, our voice. People know we're here. It's not dying, it's growing. All right, back in the story. Okay, Detroit. And it begins with a uh, sort of a in media race family depiction of, of a family that used to go to Novus Ordo and now goes to Latin Mass and sort of the reasons for that and some ni very nice pictures of their family. And I'm going to share those right now. So Detroit, Eric Augustine's eight children used to call the first day of the week Party Sunday. The family would wake up, attend a short morning mass at the Catholic parish near their house, then head home for lunch and an afternoon of relaxing and watching football. But this summer, the family made the big switch. One of his teenage sons said on a recent Sunday afternoon outside St. Joseph's Shrine, the, family, the family's new parish. At St. Joseph, the liturgy is ornate, precisely choreographed, and conducted entirely in Latin. The family drives an hour round trip to attend a service that starts at 11 a.m. and can last almost two hours. So clearly they're attending a high mass. The traditional Latin mass, an ancient form of Catholic worship that Pope Francis has tried to discourage, is instead experiencing a revival in the United States. It appeals to an overlapping mix of aesthetic traditionalists, young families, new converts, and critics of Francis. And its resurgence, boosted by the pandemic years, is part of a rising right-wing strain within American Christianity as a whole. And I think that's accurate. Of course, it's the New York Times, so they've got to salt things with that right-wing. But okay. We'll take it. Continuing on, the mass has sparked a sprawling proxy battle in the American church over not just songs and prayers, but also the future of Catholicism and the role in culture and politics. And here's a very nice picture of the Augustine family, eight beautiful kids, healthy dad, healthy, beautiful mom. Everybody's sitting at one table having a meal together. They've got pictures on the wall. They've got a nice Jerusalem cross. I mean, this just makes me happy. You know, everybody in the live chat right now, just say thumbs up, Augustine family. You guys are winning. And, and while you're at it, please like and share this video. I truly would appreciate it. And while you're at it, if you want more of these in future videos, go ahead and subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Twitter, retweet it, follow me. If you're on Facebook, Share it, like it, follow me on Facebook, etc. All right, so great looking family here. They're just winning. You know, they've just got beautiful kids, beautiful family, and uh, they found the traditional Latin Mass, and it's fantastic. 
The caption says, the Augustans at home in Metro Detroit, the family recently switched to attending the traditional Latin mass. And I'm going to go ahead and give you, Dad, Augustan Dad, virtual high five right there. Boom. Way to go. Guy's amazing. Look at this beautiful family here. They're praying the rosary straight up. Got to pray that rosary every day. And there they are. Dad's leading the rosary. I mean, this is just winning. And then just a beautiful, on the, uh, on the right side, a beautiful Pieta statue with Our Lady holding our, our Divine Lord after He suffered for us and died on the cross. Amen and amen. Okay, the article goes on. Isn't this, isn't this great so far? I love it. I love it. Latin Mass adherents tend to be socially conservative and traditionally minded. Some, like the Augustan family, are attracted to the Mass's beauty, symbolism, and what they describe as a more reverent form of worship. Yes. Amen and amen. I didn't say amen and amen because that's kind of the Baptist thing. Amen. Catholics say, Amen. Not Amen. Amen. Get that A right. Others have also been drawn to the old form through a brand of new, hard, right rhetoric and community they have found in some Catholic communities online. They see the Pope's attempt to curb the old Latin Mass as an example of the perils of a world becoming unmoored from Western religious values. Yep. Amen and amen. The traditional Latin Mass, reading along here in the New York Times, also referred to as the extraordinary form, although not any time out, not anymore, because Pope Francis killed that, was celebrated for centuries until the transformations of the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s, which were intended in part to make the rite more accessible. We're going to get to the Grover moment in just a moment. I would argue not more accessible, more ridiculous. Back to the article. After the council, mass could be celebrated in any language. Contemporary music entered many parishes and priests turned to face people in the pews. But the traditional Latin mass with all its formality and mystery never fully disappeared. Though it represents a fraction of masses performed at the 17,000 Catholic parishes in the United States, it is thriving says the New York Times. The United States now appears to have at least 600 venues offering the traditional Mass, the most by far of any country. More than 400 venues offer it every Sunday, according to one online directory. That's right, United States of America is leading the traditional movement. Now here's the part about Pope Francis. This growth is happening as Pope Francis has cracked down, issuing strict limits on the right last year. His immediate predecessor, Pope Benedict XVI, had widened access to the Old Mass, but Francis has characterized it as a source of division in the church and has said that it is too often associated with a broader rejection of the aims of Vatican II. On one level, split over the Old Mass represents a clash 
of priorities and power struggles in the church leadership. In pews and in parishes, it is more complicated. Many Catholics say they are attracted to the Mass for spiritual reasons, bolstered by ascetic and liturgical preferences rather than by partisanship. Okay, very good. Here's some more nice pictures. This again is uh, St. Joseph's. You can tell this is instituted Christ the King because the altar servers are wearing the blue cassocks and the blue mantelettas over their cottas. I'm assuming that's still St. Joseph. Does the caption say? Yep, Mass at St. Joseph. Xavier Augustine, an altar server, says at uh, server says at the first traditional mass can be confusing, but once you learn it, it feels bigger and more satisfying. See, that's a young person speaking there. Can we talk a minute about the young people? They don't want your 1960s kumbaya, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Bob Dylan mass. The young people don't want it. The young people have moved on. They're not into this stuff anymore. Young people don't listen to that kind of music. They listen to like, I don't know, Drake. You ain't going to have a Drake mask. Maybe you will. It's going to be super cringe. Please don't have a great Drake mask. Please. All right. So these young people says that it feels bigger and more satisfying. And I have to agree. Here's a, a young lady wearing a beautiful mantilla. Props to her covering her head as St. Paul teaches in 1 Corinthians. A woman wearing a mantilla praying with her family. And then here's Canon Commons distributing Holy Commission to a parish parishioner on the tongue, of course, with a beautiful daughter there. I am going to cut down a little bit because it's sort of explaining um, Latin Mass and all that to this part about the pandemic. The pandemic accelerated the divide as mainstream parishes generally stayed closed longer, driving some Catholics to seek out new parishes. Many attendees say they discovered the traditional podcasters and influencers who turned them on to the older mass. And we're going to give it into that just a little bit because they do mention me, which I was surprised to see, but that's cool. Although Catholics as a whole are politically diverse cohort in the United States, frequent mass attendees tend to be more conservative. 63% of Catholics who attend mass at least monthly supported Donald Trump in the 2020 presidential election, compared to 53 of less frequent attendees, according to the Pew Research Center. Informal surveys have found that Latin Mass attendees not only attend Mass more often, but also almost universally conservative views on topics like abortion and gay marriage. That's right. If you really want to worship the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and live your life off the teachings of Jesus Christ in the Beatitudes and the Bibles through the Holy Apostles and through apostolic succession for 2,000 years, yeah, you're going to find the traditional liturgy, and you're going to find traditional morality, and you're going to find traditional dogma, and you're going to try to live it. If you're all wishy-washy and you don't care, you all, you know, kill a baby, that's cool. Two dudes get married, three dudes get married, five women get married, whatever they're going to redefine marriage as. Yeah, if you're going to mix up things and change things, well then, yeah, why would you even go to Mass? Doesn't make sense. We all know that. Okay, here's another beautiful picture with the pulpit. I mean, we got to bring these pulpits back. Where the priest goes up the stairs. When I was an Episcopalian priest, before I was a Catholic, 
I had to go up, not not as nice as this, not as big as this, but I did go upstairs into a pulpit where you're like over the people. You can preach outward like that. It's fantastic. Staying back behind a little baby like turn, that's not that's not good. Let's get the priest back up into these beautiful pulpits. When I was in Paris at St. Nicholas, the Society of St. Pius X Church, they had a beautiful high pulpit. The priest walked all the way from the altar, mid-nave, and went up into this beautiful pulpit, up the staircase, preached. Lovely. Love it. If you agree with me, leave a comment. Say something in the live chat. All right, moving down here into it. I want to get into the beautiful pictures right here. Beautiful. Why would you not want this? A devout man kneeling. All right, here's the part about Pope Francis. And if you have access, I'd encourage you, please go read the whole thing on New York Times. I think if you're into the Latin Mass, it's worth your time reading. It's an important social moment for us as Latin Mass people. All right. Political and, I, and theological conservatives see in Pope Francis's restriction of the traditional Latin Mass a troubling disregard for orthodoxy more broadly. Since Francis became Pope in 2013, he has emphasized inclusivity and attempted to soften the church's approach to flashpoints like abortion and homosexuality. He has also issued a major encyclical on environmental stewardship, prayed for immigrants at the United States-Mexican border, and appointed women to historically significant roles in church operations. Francis' document, Traditions Custodis, comparable to an executive order, limited where and when the Old Mass can be celebrated. And this summer, he outraged traditionalists further with a new document, making clear that the tensions around the Latin Mass are more than a question of taste. Quote, I do not see how it is possible to say that one recognizes the validity of the council, though it amazes me that a, a Catholic might presume to do so, and at the same time not accept the liturgical reform, Francis wrote. And I would just say, as a traditional Catholic, I don't see how you, Francis, can contradict previous councils and previous popes. What gives you that right? Not Jesus Christ. No, not at all. I'm going to jump down here just a little bit. Some bishops, including those in Chicago and Washington, D.C., have drastically reduced the availability of the traditional Latin Mass this year. Yeah, you think so? I mean, especially in Washington, D.C. and Chicago. He's talking about Cardinal Supich and uh, Cardinal Gregory. I wish they would have put the names in the article. And then here's an interesting uh a part here from Noah Peters, quote, It's something I couldn't imagine having to beg and plead for the traditional Latin Mass, said Noah Peters, who organized a five-mile pilgrimage in September from a cathedral in Arlington, Virginia, to one in Washington in protest of the restrictions in both dioceses. Mr. Peters was, was raised as a secular Jew and was drawn to Catholicism through the traditional Latin Mass because it had this beauty timelessness and reverence about it, he said. Bishops of America, bishops of the world, Pope Francis, cardinals, no one is going to walk into these kumbaya masses and say, this is just timeless, reverent, and beautiful. No. Do not 
remove the boundaries that our forefathers set, says the Proverbs. Go back to tradition. Restore the Roman rite. We want our Roman patrimony as Catholics. I don't want Father facing me with his microphone and saying good morning and talking about NFL football games. I don't want him making up prayers of the people or Karen in the, in the parish council making up prayers of the people. I don't want to shake people's hand during Mass. No. Let's just get back to Jesus. He's the center of it all. Christocentric worship. Christocentric worship. Christ-centered worship. It's all pointed to Jesus Christ on the crucifix and then transubstantiated on the altar. That's what we want. We want Jesus. Sir, we would have Jesus. All right, now here's the part about me in the New York Times. Like Mr. Peter, almost all Latin Mass devotees use a version of the word reverent, unprompted, contrasting the tone of the Latin Mass, which off-sided if rare examples in modern parishes featuring non-traditional elements like puppets, balloons, and casual treatment of the Eucharist, or music and dance they consider disrespectful. The popular traditionalist podcaster Taylor Marshall often tells a story about feeling driven away from the Novus Ordo when he was served the Eucharist by a layperson wearing a Grover t-shirt. There it is. That was the Grover t-shirt. I was at the chapel at the University of Dallas where I got my PhD. It was a daily mass. And usually when I was at the Novus Ordo in the old days, I would uh, switch lines and try to go to the priest. But for some reason I couldn't this day. I think I was sitting towards the side. And so I had to go forward and there was this guy, a Eucharistic minister. And he was straight up wearing the Grover t-shirt, the exact t-shirt you see on the screen right now. He was wearing that. And he looked me in the eyes and he said, the body of Christ. And I said, amen. And I received. And in that moment, I was struck with, what's the word? I was struck with how ridiculous this situation was. That I had been to Rome. I had seen beautiful liturgy. I myself had been an Episcopal priest, a cleric in a different religion, in a Protestant denomination, we would have never tolerated that as Protestants. And I was thinking, here I am at the University of Dallas Chapel, which is very Novus Ordo, very Vatican II. No, back then, maybe now, I haven't been in a while, Tabernacle was not at the altar. I think I've heard it's been moved to the altar now, thank God. No statues, whitewashed, bare walls. There's no iconography, nothing beautiful in there. And I have to stare into the face of Grover from Sesame Street as I receive Almighty God, the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Logos, Jesus Christ, the God-man. My experience of receiving it is looking into the dead eyes of Grover, printed cheaply on a man's blue t-shirt. And I was like, that's it. I am a broken man now. I cannot continue to shrug at the irreverence 
of the clown-like joke of a liturgy that these people are continuing year after year. The Catholic Church, for centuries, East and West, was creating the most beautiful clothing out of linen and silk and precious jewels for the ministers of the Eucharist, the priests, the bishops, to wear as they were just in the presence of the Holy Eucharist and to administer the Holy Eucharist to the faithful. And now we got jeans and a Grover t-shirt. So, you know, if you've ever done like jiu-jitsu or martial arts, you know, you get to a point where you know you just can't win and you're going to have extreme damage to your body or die, you tap out. You ever watched UFC or done martial arts or jiu-jitsu? You get to that point where, oh man, this guy's got a deep choke on me. I'm not going to make it. You tap out. Or he's got an arm bar on you. Tap out. This was my tap out, y'all. This was the Novus Ordo, as I call it, the Grovus Ordo moment for me where I said, you know what? I'm just done. I'm going to the Latin Mass and I'm never looking back. That's it. And I never thought in that moment that it would be crystallized, fossilized forever in the New York Times. It actually makes me quite happy. Because I hope other people have, well, I don't want them to have a Grover moment. It's horrible. It's sacrilegious. It's disrespectful. But I hope that people can find a reverent, traditional Latin Mass. And I hope that young people and people coming into the church just have to bypass the entire Grover nonsense. Let's just spare us. Spare us. All right, back to the article. In Detroit... Archbishop Alan Vigneron has allowed the Latin Mass to flourish basically unimpeded. That's because he's got this beautiful, I mean, look at this. It's beautiful. Great photos. They got a photo of the Mass, right? The Teijida right there. Beautiful. And then Alex Began, a Detroit area real estate executive, trains priests in the liturgy and helps parishes that want to start offering the Mass. So it goes on here. And then the very end has um, this kind of quote here. That's kind of like the bittersweet. I don't speak Latin, she said, but it feels like you're connecting more with God. I can see a lot of New Yorkers reading that and being <laughs> these idiot fundamentalists that are going to Latin performances and calling that worship. But there it is. There it is. So what do you think? I read you almost half of it. Go read the rest of it yourself. But do you think that this is a positive moment for the traditional Latin Mass? All right. And then right now, maybe I'll spend some time in the live chat right now. If you have some comments or questions, um, I'll feature those. Before I do, though, I just will take a break here, a moment, and I'll say, if you haven't seen my new book, Antichrist and Apocalypse. It's a number one bestseller in several categories, including number one bestseller in New Testament commentaries. It's a commentary of every single verse in the book of Revelation. We go through the seven plagues, the seven trumpets, the seven, uh, sorry, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven plagues, the mark of the beast, 666, Armageddon, 
the Whore of Babylon, all of it's in there based on the Old Testament and the Church Fathers. It's not my take. I'm just telling you what all the saints and Church Fathers said about these passages, and it's beautiful, and it's hopeful, and people that are reading it, the reviews are amazing. Over a thousand reviews, everybody's giving it five stars, so please get a copy. If you want a signed copy, you can become one of my patrons at Patreon. You go to patreon.com forward slash drtaylormarshall, and you can make a monthly pledge and support my writing and my YouTubing and my podcasting, everything I'm doing here. And in return, I send you thank you gifts. So it could be at tier one, a signed book and a rosary. Tier two, two signed books and a rosary. Tier three, three signed books and a rosary, including Antichrist and Apocalypse, so on and so forth. Go to patreon.com forward slash Marshall. And I think today it's especially appropriate to mention Real Estate for Life, you might have just read that story and said, man, I wish I could have the Latin Mass. I wish my kids could serve in a Latin Mass and be part of a community that holds those values and that worships God that way and has schools like that. If you want to move from where you are, anywhere in the world, to a community that has a traditional Latin Mass, like where I live in Texas, Coeur d'Alene, Kansas City, go to realestateforlife.org. They will put you in touch with a real estate agent who can help you move from where you are and move to where you want to go to one of these communities. And so many people that watch the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast are doing exactly that. And so I'm recommending realestateforlife.org. And when you go there, say you heard about it at the Dr. Taylor Marshall show. And I would appreciate it. Okay, we're going to jump in now to the questions and the comments. So... Uh, this is from Daniel. When is Sword and Serpent coming out on audio with the dulcet tones of Kennedy Hall narrating? He's working on it right now. He sent me some samples. Uh, this is from my uh, another best-selling book I did, a number one bestseller called Sword and Serpent. It's historical fiction. You can get it at Amazon.com. But Kennedy Hall is doing the audio book, and he's doing it dramatized with different accents and voices. And I was a little worried about it, but it is awesome. Y'all are going to love it, and we're hoping it will be available by Christmas to make an awesome Christmas gift, especially for young people. So, Dan, thanks for asking. All right, let's see. Name taken. Can I count on your sweet Brazilian jiu-jitsu moves to protect me after utilizing your traditional Catholic words during Thanksgiving? Uh... Yes, if you learn them yourselves. I'm not going to show up at your Thanksgiving. But yeah, you should sign up and uh, start training. Hit the mats, man. Do it. You should do it. All right, what else is coming in here? Yeah, Kennedy Hall from Canada. That's right. Kennedy Hall, the podcaster. And by the way, Kennedy Hall is the voice. If you get the audiobook, the audible of Antichrist and Apocalypse, the voice reading the book, it's not me. It's Kennedy Hall. And he does a good job. So check it out. Kennedy and I are working together, and he appears here on the podcast. Uh, Christine Myers, what is your opinion of the new president of the USCCB? Uh, I've read about him. I know he was resistant for COVID mandates. He was a, a resistant against the Obamacare mandates for contraception. So all those things are good. Uh, he's stridently pro-life. Everybody always says that about every bishop. Um, so I think all that's good to see them veering a little bit to the right in the USCCB. I still don't trust the USCCB one inch 
Not at all. They've betrayed us over and over for decades, including with McCarrick just a few years ago. I think they're slimy. I think most of them are corrupt. So um, I'm not hopeful, but maybe this is an answer to our prayers and something's good happening. So we should pray for him. Thanks for the question. All right. I got a super chat here. Mac, in his super chat, said, I attended the Novus... I attended Novus Ordo Mass this Sunday after going to TLM for the last two years. It's dis- difficult to justify how these are both considered Catholic. I agree with you, Mac. I agree with you. I can never go back to the Novus Ordo. Nope. I believe it's valid. All right? So I'm not saying it's invalid. I just... It's so disruptive, and it's so disordered, and all the communion on the hand, and dropped hosts and spilled chalices and lay Eucharistic ministers and cheese ball songs. No, I'm done. And all the Eucharistic ministers dressed in odd ways, either immodest or in a Grover t-shirt. I'm done with the Grovis Ordo. I can't go back. I can't go back. Done. Mark Becker says, Thank you for not compromising. Well, I hope I hope so, but thank you for saying that. Comment from er, uh, earlier, Harold Rutilla says, the article understates Eucharistic abuses. If Dr. Taylor Marshall needed a grace to see it, others do too. Everyone must open up their eyes and see it. Great point, Harold. You know, it's not just about, oh, I don't like this. I don't like Peter, Paul, and Mary. No, ultimately... It's about how is Jesus Christ honored, adored, worshipped, and protected in the Eucharist. Even down to this, in the Latin Mass, after the priests consecrate, they keep their digits together because there could be particles of the host on their digits, and they don't want to just let them fall on the carpet. That's just one example of extra reverence in the Latin Mass that is completely gone in the Novus Ordo. And so I don't want any part with the Novus Ordo. Thank you for that comment, Harold. Very good. Thank you for bringing that to our attention. Uh, Is this live? Yes, this is live right now. It is live. Angela Lim says, I can't wait for this Sunday attending the SSPX. It may be my very first high mass. The other TLM near my area are all low masses, so I'm excited finally to attend high mass thanks be to god i went to high mass last sunday it's beautiful and angel limb i hope you love it god bless you fernandez says please always do your our father in latin every video i usually do um is the consecration novus ordo not valid i'm not saying that i'm not saying that But being valid is not, for me, you know, it's kind of like Father Dave Nix has a saying. uh, How's your marriage going? Well, it's valid. Uh, That's not really a good answer, right? So it's the Novus Ordo good? Well, it's valid. I want more than valid. You know, the Mass is the consecration, but it's also everything around it. If you saw my uh, part in the documentary Mass of Ages, have you seen that documentary Mass of Ages? In the Mass of Ages, I say, that the Eucharist, the consecration and the presence of the Eucharist in the Mass is the diamond. It's the diamond. But jewelers, 
depending on their skill, can form the band for the diamond. And they can keep, have holes in the bottom of it and they can have prongs and settings and other accents around the diamond that makes that diamond look more, you can see the light through it, more bright, more beautiful. It brings out the beauty and the aura of that primary diamond more by what is what is holding it up and presenting it. And that's the Latin mass. All right. So the diamond is the Eucharist. You, the diamond doesn't change, right? I mean, you could have the diamond covered in mud. It's still the same diamond. Or you could have the diamond in this beautiful arrangement, this beautiful setting. That's the Latin mass. So you have the Eucharist in its proper setting that gets the most light, the most sparkle, the most attention. That's the Latin mass. So you could say, well, you could have, you could use an aluminum foil band and hold the diamond in place with super glue. You could do that. It would still be the valid diamond, but I don't want that. For God, I want to experience the best. Anyway, that's what I said in Massive Ages. Hopefully it's helpful to people. Charles Scarpelli says, how long will it take or how long will the restoration of the Roman Rite back to TLM take? I don't know. It's hap it's already happened in my life. See, I kind of kind of feel like, yeah, we need to make it for everybody, and I make these videos and promote it. But for me, it already is. It's Sunday after Sunday. I mean, that's it's rosary every day. It's Latin prayers and devotions and indulgences. I mean, it's already for me and my wife and my kids. It's already happened. And I would say for you, just go ahead and make it happen one person at a time, one family at a time. All right, Logos Triumphant Clips, super chat here. Thanks for the super chat. Thoughts on Reverend Novus Ordo Churches, women veiling, communion on tongue, high altar, lots of Latin incense, trad priest, TLM, had at my local Novus Ordo. My thought is it's a unicorn. It barely exists. It's not how the Latin, or it's not how the Novus Ordo is supposed to be. The Novus Ordo is how it's all over the world, irreverent. All kinds of Eucharistic ministers and odd things happening all over the world. That's how it was designed to be, to enculturate into the local culture. So you got flip-flops and, you know, jeans on the altar and music that's not good. The only place, usually, that you'll see a Novus Ordo that's reverent is at a parish where they, the priest, the same priest, also says the traditional Latin Mass, and he takes all the structure of the traditional Latin Mass and places it into the Novus Ordo. But you've already seen the church, I mean the uh, congregation for liturgy and rites in Rome. They've already said no Novus Ordo can be said at Orientum. They're banning it. In other words, the Novus Ordo is supposed to be facing the people. It's supposed to be toned down. It's supposed to be casual. It's supposed to be enculturated into the local community. So my thoughts are, it's, it's not even relevant to the conversation. It's so odd and, and so unusual. Christopher Fair, thanks for the super chat. He says, it is sad that the Novus Ordo is valid. When I'm forced to attend one, I make the responses in Latin like Tolkien used to do. 
I made an app called LA Cap on Android stores to help my kids do the same. So yeah, J.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit, he did not like the Novus Ordo. In fact, if you get a copy of my book, do I have it? Here it is, yeah. If you get a copy of my book, Infiltration, which I don't see on my screen right now, so you'll just have to trust me. I won't be able to show you what it looks like. There's a section in there that talks about J.R. Tolkien and other early um, trads, traditionalists, who, when they saw the Novus Ordo, were aghast. Like, this is ridiculous. So Tolkien, he would just keep on doing the traditional Latin responses. He was like, I don't care what the priests up there are saying. I, as a layman, I'm going to keep doing the traditional way of doing it. And that's what Christopher's doing here. If you don't have a Latin mass accessible to you, I don't know what to say other than move, move and not everyone can move. So, I mean, that's one reason why I'm always promoting real estate for life is one of the number one questions I get from people is I want the Latin mass, but it's not within an hour of me. What do I do? The only answer is move and not everyone can move, but some people can move. And that's why I'm trying to help people to relocate. So realestateforlife.org, tell them Taylor sent you. All right, we'll do a couple more. it's a whole lifestyle not a mass Margot Catholic says I agree it's not just the traditional Latin mass the traditional Latin mass like I said is like the diamond in the ring but there's a ring and there's devotions there's the devotion of confession going to penance of indulgences of the way you dress, the way you behave. I mean, there's a whole culture to it. And the traditional Latin Mass is, of course, the most important part, but it's a, it's a feature of a whole lifestyle. So thank you, Margo. Good to see you here on the, on the podcast today. All right, one more. I like to see everybody, by the way. Um, we got people from Facebook. We got people from Twitter. We got people from YouTube. Everybody's together today on the podcast. I like to see that. And by the way, if you haven't yet liked this video, what are you doing? Right? We got to see like 800 likes right now. Hit the like button, smash it, push it, and then share this on Facebook and Twitter, YouTube. And uh, of course, subscribe if you want to get more videos in the future. Okay. Last comment is coming in now or last question, uh, whatever we find here. Good comments and questions today, man. The audience at the Dr. Taylor Marshall podcast is A++++. You guys are fantastic. All right, looking here. Ah, this is good. I won't make this the last one, but it's a good comment. Susan Mule says, if you can't move, pray, God will show you a way. I like that a lot. Thank you. I like that. Christ is the good shepherd. He has a plan for you name taken. Oh, this is on the Ukraine. I'm maybe going to, I'm going to do a video on the Ukraine thing. Um, so I won't comment on that yet. All right. Last, last question or comment is, oh, here we go. Joseph Lewis. So, you know, if you, if you can't get to mass, there's always the idea of dry mass. What is dry mass? Dry mass is where you take a missile like the missile I recommend. And by the way, I have a, a video on YouTube, um, which is the best traditional Latin mass missile. And I go through them and show pictures and explain. I also have a video on YouTube, a podcast on how do you use a missile and where do you put the ribbons? 
This is a brand new Father Lassance missile. But a dry mass is where you go through the parts of the mass using your missile, either by yourself or with your family. But of course, there is no consecration. There is no bread and wine transubstantiated. But you go through, you say the Kyrie eleison, you say the Gloria and Excelsis, you maybe pray together, um, the collect. Now, you're not a priest doing this, right? So you have to understand that. And then you read the epistle and the gospel, make a spiritual communion, Say the, you know, say the Our Father, make a spiritual communion, kind of do some of the elements of the traditional Mass, but it's obviously not a real holy sacrifice of the Mass. Um, you can also pray all 15 decades of the Rosary, and if you want to go to the next level, the Divine Office. I recommend, however, that you do the Little Office of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and make sure you get the 1961 version, not the new Novus Ordo one. All right, that's a good one. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for these excellent comments um like i said this audience is well informed well educated and i'm honored that you're here with me so thank you very much well i guess i'll just end by saying let's pray the rosary every single day if you don't pray the rosary you're not on the team oh one more thing i wanted to mention i forgot even if the, at the Novus Ordo, do not receive on the hand. Please do not receive on the hand. And I've got videos on that. Go to my, my channel. Just type Taylor Marshall Communion on the Hand or my articles at taylormarshall.com and read why. Do not do it. Okay. Pray your rosary every day. You're not on the team. The rosary is the Bible on beads. Rattle your beads. Pray your rosary all the time. All right. And remember... Until next time, our Lord Jesus Christ says you are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So go out there and be salty. God bless and Godspeed. Thank you so much for watching. If you enjoyed this podcast, please click the like button, the thumbs up, and subscribe by clicking the subscribe button and clicking the bell for notifications. God bless. See you in future videos.